to have a tornado, allegedly. Ooh. Allegedly. <laughs> Hopefully after we're done recording the podcast. No, probably right in the middle. <laughs> oh, fuck. Probably right, right before in the Susan dies. Oh, God. Just get in the tub. Just get in the tub. No, my tub, my bathroom has windows. I have to get in my crawl space. Which probably has, like, I'm going to assume, like, at least... Hopefully you have Wi-Fi in there. That's all that matters. I'm going to guess no, because sometimes when I just walk too far away from the router in the house, (laughs) I don't have (laughs) Wi-Fi. So the crawl space is probably a dead zone. (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. Hello, and welcome to Book Squad Goals. Hi. Is Mary there? No, I'm here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, Mary's gone again. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to a classic full episode of Book Squad Goals. This week we are discussing No One is Coming to Save Us, a 2017 novel by Stephanie Powell Watts, which I finished today. I don't know about you guys. I finished it a couple of days ago. I finished it yesterday. Cutting it close. I know. All right. Well... I'm going to just start out, I have like a fun question at the end and not at the beginning, because I thought it would kind of not be fun to answer that at the beginning. But anyway, so I'm just going to go straight for that Goodreads summary. The Great Gatsby, brilliantly recast in the contemporary South. A powerful first novel about an extended African-American family and their colliding visions of the American dream. J.J. Ferguson has returned home to Pinewood, North Carolina to build his dream home and woo his high school sweetheart, Ava. But he finds that the people he once knew and loved have changed, just as he has. Ava is now married and wants a baby more than anything. The decline of the town's once thriving furniture industry has made Ava's husband, Henry, grow distant and frustrated. Ava's mother, Sylvia, has put her own life on hold as she caters to and meddles with, <laughs> for real, those around her, trying to, feel, <laughs> trying to fill the void left by her absent son. And Don, Sylvia's undeserving... But charming husband just won't stop hanging around. Fucking fucking Don. <laughs> Men in general <laughs> just won't stop hanging around. JJ's newfound wealth forces everyone to consider what more they want and deserve from life than what they already have and how they might go about getting it. Can they shape their lives to align with their wishes rather than their realities? Or are they resigned to the rhythms of the particular lives they lead? No One Is Coming to Save Us is a revelatory debut from an insightful voice that combines a universally resonant story with an intimate glimpse into the hearts of one family. <sighs> Is it though? Well. I'm actually out of breath, which I don't know what that says about me and the shape I'm in physically, but. I don't know. When I read, I forget to breathe sometimes, so. God. Yeah, I like, when I when I have to, <laughs> like, when I have to speak publicly, I always, like, put spaces in between sentences to remind myself to breathe there like i'll put like a big giant space and i like i'll be looking at it like oh my gosh why is there a space there and then i'm like oh yeah breathe like i have to do that otherwise i forget so maybe that's what happened to you maybe you need to put space in there (laughs) public speaking tips it's a little tip (laughs) public speaking corner (laughs) public speaking tips (laughs) hot tip this has been hot tips with emily yeah. All right. Well, so <laughs> what did we rate this this year novel? One. <laughs> oh, what? Whoa. No. Dang. Mary. Holy oh, shit. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to be a bitch because I'm giving it a two. I gave it a two also. What? <laughs> Susan, this book sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I didn't write it. Calm down. 
Okay. I'm not so, mad about it. I just uh, did it too. In my defense for choosing it, it was listed as one of the most anticipated novels of 2017, which yeah. sounded great. They didn't know what it was yet. <laughs> I had a three. Yeah, I think that's fair. Should we talk a little bit about why we, we gave these ratings? Yeah, I'll start because mine is the most... Yeah, let's start with one mine, and then work I'm our not, way up. No, I'm not. <laughs> Walk I, up to me where I have to defend it. <laughs> no, don't. you don't have to defend it. And I wasn't thinking like, Susan did this, <laughs> right? Like, it seems like one of those books that the description sounds really interesting. And... I would be interested to read it, but then, you know, I was like a hundred pages in almost asking myself, okay, so like, what's this book about? Mm-hmm. And to me, my time is important. And if I'm a hundred pages into a novel and I don't know what it's about, that's a problem. And I feel like I'm wasting my time. It, this is not like The Great Gatsby at no. all. Save it and for the first question. <laughs> yeah, that uh, is our first okay. question. Which the question is, no, okay, so is it really Gatsby, though? <laughs> I hated every character in this novel, and I did not care if what about they mom to what be? They wanted or not. I really felt for mom to be. I felt for baby love John. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor mom to be was getting so much hate on the message boards, and I was like, look, she's emotional. She's going through shit. Yeah. Can we just relax? She's also rude. Man, everyone's going through Yeah, she was just being rude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes tone doesn't come across online and people need to chill out. I think her tone came across. I'm going to bat for mom to be, (laughs) all right? Mary, you're... Mary's tone is coming across hard right now. I just, this isn't, this isn't the type of book I would pick to read myself, and that's okay, because everyone doesn't like to read what I read. And, like... Uh, preference is part of it. But I don't think that this novel was written in an interesting enough way to save it. No one is coming to save it. Oh my Just god. To see if someone would say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is all fair. Um, I'll go. Yeah. Because I feel like okay, I okay. also really disliked it. Um, <laughs> but I'm giving it a two... Because I, uh, like, occasionally there would be, like, a glimmer where I'd be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then after a couple pages, yes. it would go away. But, because yes. I, and I, I feel the same thing that Mary said about how 100 pages in she didn't know what it was about. I felt like, like, I, it, at the beginning I was like, okay, like, I can get into this. And I, I kept feeling like I was still at the beginning of the book. And then I realized that I was halfway through the book, and I f- it still felt like the book hasn't started yet, you know? It still felt like that opening mm-hmm. section where you're, like, getting the tone of the book, but that's the whole book. And... <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's, like, It's, like, accurate. really frustrating because it's, like, to me, like, all of the characters are so similar to each other, and yes. you ha- but barely anything happens in the book and if you haven't made like strongly defined characters and nothing has happened then what did i just read like what happened <laughs> yeah i had to keep checking um who characters were like a character would come in and i would actually flip to the blurb in the front of the book like okay wait which one is this again yeah. because like especially 
Don and Henry, basically the same oh, character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. They're the same character, but, like, Yeah, which is, apart, like, right? I get that that's probably intentional, but also, why do I need to hear about both of them then? Because... Yeah. Right, and then, and then it was kind of confusing because I was like, okay, which one is sleeping with the white person? Yeah. And which, like, I can't remember. Yeah, and like, it's like it they're just... two women. The only difference between them is one of them – it's like one of them is young, a young woman, and one of them is a white woman. And those that's like the two right. d- distinctions between them. Which isn't right. enough no. of a distinction. It just was really frustrating and also boring, but I, I – like, and I hate that. I hate saying that I didn't like something because it was boring, because I don't feel like that's a really good criticism, because um, it's subjective what a person finds boring. But this, I feel like, in some ways, was objectively boring. <laughs> I actually thought, Kelly, I thought you were going to like nah. it. <laughs> it because, does. Yeah, I know now, <laughs> but I thought, because you so far have tended to like the books yep. that are where less is happening. Yeah, but the books where less is happening you know I mean? usually have strong characters. Stronger characters, yes. But I still thought that maybe just that part would be something that would, like, Yeah, get like, you, I can see know? how this could but. be, si- like, is similar to Fates and Furies in some ways as far as, like, the the way that, that some of us have felt about these books. But um, this is just, like, not as interesting, even though I didn't love that book, but at least like there was something to grab onto. Oh, I liked this way better than Fates. Really? Games, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I guess I'll go next because I also gave this a two. Um, this is Emily. Hey. I don't know if we said our names. Yeah, oh, no. sorry. It I'm was, Kelly. It was Mary. Mary gave this book a one. Kelly gave this book a two. Emily also gave this book a two. And that's me. I'm Emily. Um, <laughs> so I I agree with pretty much everything that's been said already. And I would I'd agree with Kelly that there definitely were moments in this book where I was like, okay, I'm getting into this. This is interesting. Um, I feel like the only characters that got any sort of development at all are Ava and Sylvia. Yeah. Like, it seemed like that's really all that um, Stephanie Powell Watts cared about in the book. So then I'm like, why are we, why do we have all these other characters who don't really do anything and just kind of like, are just kind of shitty? And Um, why do we spend so much time with them? Right. Like, why do we have these chapters of like JJ wandering around when like, he's not even really a, like, he's not, a character at all and like he's got these really weird echoes of Gatsby like he's like I can see the green roof of your house from my house Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I see what you did there the green light wink wink but like those are very like superficial connections to the great Gatsby he somehow manages to have less personality than Jay Gatsby (laughs) yeah yeah I don't I couldn't tell you a thing about him he has money. But how, though? Yeah. Does anyone remember? He used to be friends with Ava. How did he get the money? That mystery. I really don't know. I was trying to wonder, but then I didn't care enough. You know, it's like, at some point, I was like, well, I don't really know anything else about JJ, so, like, he got some money. Like, 
All right. Sorry, we interrupted. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to wonder, but then I didn't care. <laughs> I couldn't even I'm wonder. Sorry. Sounded, I tried really hard to wonder. That sounded a lot meaner than I intended it to. I'm having such intense flashbacks to Fates and Furies. It's so. Fun. I know. <laughs> and after that episode, I was like, I was. Mean. Wait. Mary, what did you give Fakes and Furies? Did you give that a one or did you give that a two? I think she gave it a two. I think I gave it a two. Okay, so you would say that you hate this book more than you hated Fakes and Furies. Okay, all right. I like different things about them better. I don't like either of them. (laughs) Just on a base level. No, it's just, I I mean, JJ just, who is he? What does he want? I don't know. Where do you get the money? <laughs> he wants to be- build. Does that, I mean, does that matter? Yes. I mean, he wants to build a big house to impress Ava, but she doesn't seem super impressed with it. I mean, she, he, he should have seem- just he should have built a big baby if he wanted to impress <laughs> Ava because exactly. That's- what a she giant wanted. Baby. A giant <laughs> baby. Ava, I built you a baby. <laughs> God. It's like that big eye. I can see the roof of your house from my baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from my God. giant baby on the hill. <laughs> okay, guys. Well. Okay, Susan. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, hey, I'm Susan, and I gave it a three. Um,. And now I feel like I really need to come up with awesome reasons. No, you really why. don't. <laughs> I mean, and three is still just a like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I've given uh, I've given better books the same rating because there's not – because you can't do halves, mm-hmm. you know. So this is like a um, two and a half for you, you'd say? Point, 2.75. Okay, 2.75. Um, I like it You're a really lot pushing more it than with I liked the Fates and Furies. I hated Fates and Furies. I know, but see, that's what I need. I need the nuance. Yeah. And I – um anyway uh yeah i i think what mostly no, i don't want to say saved it but like uh helped it a lot for me was that i actually really liked the prose style a lot like most of the time especially i thought the dialogue was really good um Oh, Sorry, never mind. Disagree, and that's totally fine. But I thought there were some really believable and poignant moments of dialogue that mm-hmm. I haven't seen in a while in the stuff we've been reading. Mm-hmm. So, um, like that reservoir scene to me was really um, like I was fully in for yeah, that. Say, and say several, more about that. several other there were several other parts like that for me where I really was like, although I will say. Yeah, it's fucking slow. And it wasn't until I found out that um, that Henry had a kid that I was like, oh, shoot, I'm in. Because uh, for a while I was like, I don't understand what's about to happen. And then it picked up a lot for me from there. And so, like, it was enough for me to give it a three. But that being said, I'm not really sure why it was marketed so heavily as a Gatsby recast because it's and now I'm wondering if it's because maybe it wasn't all that interesting on its own and so maybe needed that framing in the marketing world but 
But it's so not. This is the first question that I wanted to ask. Was okay. So is it really Gatsby though? Because the Gatsby framing is pretty minimal. But I and- think that's what she was going for. Like I said, there there are those really like superficial connections to Gatsby. Like I can see your green roof from my house. The fact that his name is JJ, but then he's like, oh, but I go by Jay oh, now. Oh, I'm Jay. Like yeah. these are. Th- but is he enough to really make that a Gatsby retelling? Is the question because it's not. But that's like, obviously what she's great doing. Gatsby. You know what I mean? It's like that's what right. she. So to, so I don't know. Like. To me, it feels like it's kind of what she's doing and then was encouraged to, like, do it more. Uh, maybe. That's true. Yeah, it's like there's, ju- there's just enough of it for it to be a little too much for it to be successful in being not that much, if that makes sense. Yes. That, like, naming yeah, the character I just, Jay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's why I asked, like, is he enough? Because this isn't really – whereas The Great Gatsby is definitely about Jay Gatsby and, like, Nick's obsession with Jay Well, yeah, Gatsby. and there's no Nick. This isn't here. about JJ. Nobody's obsessed well, the, with and, JJ. Well, I was asking, yeah. I think, who if, if so, who is Nick? And I think the closest character to Nick would be Sylvia. But I don't think that she's, like, a direct Nick uh, parallel or anything. Um this is like this is mostly Ava's story, and then a little bit, a barely less so Sylvia's story. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is about them. It's not about JJ. No. But there's also like this car accident. Oh yeah. <laughs> that. Oh god. Is yeah. Sort of an echo of Gatsby, but is not in any way really. What well, yeah, like, I didn't even make that there. connection until I read that in the doc that you wrote that. And I was like, oh, true. But it's – it's, But it's so different and so uh, – yeah. Like, for me, I guess if I read this without someone saying, this is The Great Gatsby again, I don't know that I would have even picked up on that. Yeah, because also there's so much in this book about, like, like parenting – in general, yeah, and that is not a thing in get like it's a, a tiny thing with Daisy that she has this child that yeah. is like kind of around, <laughs> but that's like it, and that's like one of like the main theme of this book probably is like motherhood and like not feeling so, like a woman if you aren't a mother. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. which like which is a that. thing, which is a thing, but not <laughs> something that I can relate to, which also is also probably why. It's, part of the reason I mean, why it's I not something I can relate to, but I know other women who have felt that way. And like, I don't know. I've listened to my, it's time for some of my backstory now. Um, my mom tried to have a baby for like 10 years before she had me. And Aww. a large part of that was because, um, she, like was pressured by other people in the community to have kids because that was, that would be what would make her like a good wife and a good woman was having kids, even though she Mm -hmm. didn't really want kids, you know? So like it happens, but it doesn't seem like anybody's really pressuring. No, she wants this for herself. Like she's creating the pressure for herself. And yes, that's the part of it that I couldn't relate to. It does to. seem <laughs> like it hinges on her age, though, quite a bit. We'll just leave the Gatsby stuff behind because I guess it's maybe we should just not talk about it in that it's frame not because I don't think yeah. it's going to really 
bring anything to this and it's not going to save it for anybody. So also like let's move before on. you compare your book to the great Gatsby, be sure it's real good. Yeah. <laughs> before yeah. you compare your, bo- your book to one of the notable best books of all time. Yeah. Although in her defense, uh, no one who's ever tried to like do anything with the great Gatsby has ever really come close yeah that's why you should just like write your own book (laughs) i'm telling you though if this did not say like this is the great gatsby recast in the south i don't know that i would have picked up on that for real yeah Yeah. especially like jj's name is only jj because of that so like in any other context or with another character name i never would have been like yeah i think so too all right well let's move on to uh, a different theme which is memory and the past which is another Um, theme in great gatsby this is the last time i'm going to mention the great gatsby but if we're just talking about themes memory in the past big deal in that book okay now we're done I would say approached very differently, though. Yes. So I, I tried to uh, abbreviate the title of this book in the doc, but it comes out to N-O-I-C-T-S-U, which doesn't really have <laughs> a great ring to it. So Noice. Noixtu. Noice. So good. So a lot of the characters in Noixtu are stuck in the past. <laughs> um, so there's Sylvia and Don who are still married, but... Um, but Why? <laughs> Right. Like, I have no idea why they don't really live together. He is shacking up with a younger lady, a very way younger lady. Um, Sylvia's life kind of stopped when... Do we agree that it's Devon? I just assumed it was Devon. Yes, I was thinking Devon. Devon, yeah. So in the beginning, it says... There's a line that's like, it's pronounced... Devon, like mm-hmm. it rhymes with oh, blah, blah, blah. I must yeah, have not so, noticed that. That's yeah. called close reading. Honestly, so I did check... A little section of the audiobook so that I could know, and they say Devon. So Susan so. knew this whole Whatever. time, but at the beginning she just said, we all agree on this, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> well, because it still sounded weird to me because I thought it was Devon. <laughs> I, th- so- I, I think it's Devon. Maybe the audiobook lady just did it wrong. I think the audiobook lady is wrong, but that's cool. We can say Devon if that makes you it, feel better. It, nothing, it doesn't make me feel better or worse. Nothing just, makes we'll just me call feel him better. <laughs> Everything okay. sucks. His name is, we'll just call him Devon. Okay, so anyway, Sylvia is kind of stuck in the past. That, well, her life just sort of stopped when he died. Um, I mean, and then yeah. Ava is hanging on to having a family, but really her husband has actually already had this family for five years. He's got a five-year-old son with someone else. JJ comes back to town basically just for Ava. Um, and then the town itself has sort of died. Like the furniture industry is gone. So these, all the, the industry is just out and people are still living there and everyone's poor. And it's very sad. Oh, this is depressing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, at one point, J.J. tells Ava they need to get out of memory lane, and Ava says, quote, memory lane is all we got. Isn't that why you're even here? True. It's true. So, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Well, I think he realized that she was only going through the motions with him based on the memory of what their relationship once was. Yeah. And I thought, I, I did find it interesting uh, towards the end when uh she's like thinking or whatever or the narrator is you know pontificating <laughs> and says like that the two of them were never going to like 
grow in their relationship. They were forever going to stay in the same place that they had been. And that is, like, not a good reason to be with someone. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, they both knew that. And sort of, like, everybody in this town is stuck in the same place as long as they stay there. And that's kind of the reason, as much as we hate the fact that Henry and Don are essentially the same character, we also said that that's probably intentional because the idea is, like, these patterns just continue happening. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have the parent character saying, I wanted better for my children, but they're just doing the same thing that I did. Yeah. Et cetera. And why? Like, I, that's, I think that's what's frustrating is it's just patterns of people doing the same thing over and over again. And I know that that's a thing that happens, but it just made me wonder, like, what's the point? <laughs> I feel like there's a better way to say this, to say what I'm trying to say, but... I just, I think I questioned at some points what I was supposed to be getting out of the book. And maybe it yeah, is I'm not that sh- there's a pattern and, you know, like history repeats itself. But, I mean, it seems almost like in this quote, Ava is acknowledging that, you know, like thinking about their younger days is all they have to hold on to and everything's awful. And that's clearly why JJ came back because he's sort of like romanticized this idea of Ava. But Mm -hmm. it also doesn't seem like a good thing. No. It's all they have. Like there's nothing to look forward to. Nothing good in the future. I don't know. I mean, it's people keep doing the same thing over and over again, but they're not really trying to change either. Yeah. I'm not sure if this book knew what it was trying to say about the situation it was laying out for us. Yeah. Yeah. There seemed to be a strange, like, a sense of resolution at the end of the novel, but there was no resolution, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like the characters all get their sort of little end thing, which goes on for way too long, may I add. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because it's like it's – we get to the point where eventually Ava, you know – realizes she's not going to be able to have kids and she adopts kids and so which is not as easy yeah i know it happens pretty quickly it was like um it basically sounded like she got him on craigslist it was so easy i was literally (laughs) gonna say that maybe she did it's harder to adopt a dog than what she did yeah she like went on like a pet adopter (laughs) site and was like i'll take these two yeah it said like free and up for adoption i was like what that's not that's not how that works at all. I know. I was like, that's not how that works at all. It's very expensive. Yeah. That's how people sell their furniture on Facebook. <laughs> that's not how you get a kid. Yeah. Or two kids. I mean, I think it's probably a little easier to adopt older kids, which is what she did. But even then. I mean, sure. But it is it as no. easy as buying a chair? Um. Anyway, and it's unclear how much time has passed, like, between those between the end of the last part and the beginning of that. But anyway. It said it. It said it was a year. it was a year. So anyway, that happens. Mm -hmm. Well, it was like she she hadn't seen Henry since this year had passed or something like that. So So. that happened. And then that kind of felt like it was supposed to be the end, but then it dragged on for another, like, 30 pages Mm -hmm. of just, like, various character wrap-ups. Like, Jay's dad randomly showing up. Like, the hell was the point of that? Like... There was just, like, all of this stuff tacked onto the end that just felt like, and it kept going and going and going. And I was like, I'm already done with this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
I was just getting mad at that point. Yeah, it, I kind of felt like, okay, so everything ended and everyone got their ending, but it didn't seem like any of the issues were resolved. Exactly. That's what I that's what I was trying to say is that like there was it felt like oh we're resolving this I'm tying up all the loose ends except like nothing like the only resolu- the only thing that was resolved was like Ava has kids now but other than that But again that's like that's a very like superficial Yeah. I'm going uh, the, superficial is the word I'm going to keep using for this because like that's that's like surface level something that needed to be resolved but all the like interior issue like Ava had serious issues with depression. Yeah. Are we saying that these kids just, like, fixed that for her and everything was fine? Right. Like, there there was a lot of internal struggle going on with all of these characters, and I didn't feel like any of that res- was resolved. So then I was like, what was the point? Mm-hmm. We're kind of skipping ahead to this question about the end. Like, and especially Oops. about... No, no, it's all, it's fine. There's We don't have to go in any <laughs> order. This is a free-for-all. Um, Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... The I had some issues with the end, especially Henry and Ava being so like best buds. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh, I bought your kid an Atari. Isn't that cool?" And I was like, "Wait, <laughs> but like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, like you getting good. your own kids doesn't fix this other thing that happened that was like." the breaking point for you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that he basically tried to kill himself in front of her. Like, Not which basically. Is wild. He did try to. He yeah. pulled the trigger and it just didn't work. Yeah. Like, so, aside from the fact that he had a, you know, five-year-long affair and had a child with another woman and didn't tell you, also this part, but it's fine. It's been a year. I'm over it. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Also, like, here's some video games for you. Like, no. no. Um, Do you want to come that- to my children's ballet class? No. Yeah. I will say, though, that I am really happy that Ava did not end up with JJ. Yeah. In the end, because I would have, then I probably would have taken away a full star. Cause, <laughs> like, <laughs> no. That's not okay either. Um and not believable Mm-mm. to me. Right. Yeah. Um, same with um, Carrie. Yeah. The the woman that the mother of uh, Henry's child. Like I was really happy that she was like. It said like she'll do better if she can't. She'll do without. <laughs> so yeah, like I'm glad they didn't end up together and try to make this kind of like happy family thing happen at the end when it never was that to begin with. Yeah. And she was pretty much over that. Yeah. Well, I mean, who could blame her? Yeah. <laughs> right. I would be too. <laughs> so we've already touched on it a little bit, but let's talk about um, motherhood and pregnancy because that's kind of what this is really all about. It's the most interesting the part of the novel to me. Because yeah. I think it's that the there actually are some good things said about um, like wanting to be a mother and what makes someone a mother. Well, go ahead. Oh, I just, I <laughs> mentioned to Emily um, in person, in real life. What up? That, we talk in person. That's the most interesting thing to me in this novel is that sort of at its core, we have Ava in her quest to be a mother and trying to have um, kids with Henry, even though Henry's trash. Um, but 
I feel like that's a type of story that we don't get a lot about black women because a lot of texts sort of like lean heavily on stereotypes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it was important. I mean, it's important to show that Ava struggles with this and she is a black woman, you know, like Mm -hmm. this isn't an issue that's just for the the affluent classes or just for white women or whatever, you know, like it is an issue for all women And it was nice to see a different sort of story. But then also, the book sort of, like, leans on some uh, stereotypes for black men. Yes. In a weird way. Yeah. But I I do think it's interesting that so much of the novel was about Ava wanting to have a child. And her interactions on the message boards were... My favorite part of the novel, Same. because <laughs> it really, I mean, it honestly, like, captures how awful it is being online sometimes, how there's just, like, the one <laughs> troll that is like, you're all delusional, and I hate you. Are you talking about mom-to-be? Yeah. I'm talking about mom-to-be. Look, was she wrong, though? <laughs> but you don't have to be a bitch. But would you say that to someone in real life? Like, if your friend was like, I'm trying to have a baby and I'm really stressed out about it, would you say, yeah, but you're probably not, Would though. you say that in the middle of, like, a support group for moms who are, or for women who are trying to become moms? <laughs> would you just, like, in the middle of people talking be like, none of you can do okay, this? Okay, let me, I'm, I'm going to come to her defense a little bit here because she's this, she's at the support group clear, clearly because, or not at. They're not at anywhere because it's online, but she's a part of the support group clearly because she too is dealing with this struggle. And like, who knows what happened to her recently? She probably got some disappointing news recently. And so like, at like being around people who are trying to be positive, sometimes when you're feeling, I don't know, like there's no hope and you're just, you know, in a place of despair, it can be really grating to hear positive things. When you're like, no, the world is not a positive place. Like, sometimes I want to talk to people who are going to face the fact that, like, sometimes things are shitty. Yeah. And so that's kind of the place that I thought she was coming from. That doesn't mean that you're not going to respond. But I think, like, there's something she says later on, and now I'm going to try to find it. Yeah. So on page 111, in, in my book, it's page 111. She writes back after everyone's been kind of, like, shitting on her for being mean. She says, I'm sorry, 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 everyone. I've been in a state lately. I need your forgiveness. I need to belong to this community. 12-year-old girls with no future or 46-year-old menopause women wind up with babies in their arms. They don't even try. They win and they don't even try. I can't stand it. Will someone explain that to me? And I think that says a lot about the headspace she's in. And she apologizes and she says, like, I need I need somebody to, like, tell me it's going to be okay because right now I don't think it's going to be okay. I don't think there's any hope for any of us. And uh, But uh, after she does say that apology, doesn't she then come back and say something else nasty? Yes. She says, <laughs> well, no, because no one is responding to her and she's, like, reaching out for help. And then she says, is anyone listening? Can anyone hear me? Don't drive yourself crazy. You will go insane looking at every little thing, wishing for a sign. Please listen. What Does she say something else after that or no? Nope, that's it. Okay. Well, it says I'm, something I'm just that saying. the most interesting character in this book is <laughs> a presence on an online forum. Now I'm looking – yeah, so, okay, 
So that's the last thing she says in that section. And then there's another section where they're talking again. And the only thing she says is, I hope you all get what you want. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I feel for her. I really do. Because, like, I've been in that place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not about babies, but about other shit, you know, where I just, I just want to be around people that are like, yeah, everything's shitty. Yeah. And it's not going to get better. <laughs> and like for some, somebody to understand that, like, it's okay to feel that way sometimes. So I don't know. Yeah. But I think she's, she can see that she's in a place where people aren't going to be very open to that kind of attitude based on the everything that everyone else has written. So I think, I understand how she feels, but I think her lack of uh awareness of the setting <laughs> is an issue you know she apologizes you know yeah but i still think what she did was shitty okay <laughs> okay <laughs> like i'm i am mom to be in this situation is all i'm saying it's hard <laughs> because a lot of people embrace relentless optimism that everything is going to work out okay uh-huh. but that's not necessarily true it's definitely and not true. Yeah. There's some in between of everything's awful and none of this stuff you want to happen will happen. And it's going to happen if I just sprinkle baby dust or whatever they keep saying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, there is an in between of those two um, states. And I think we have, like, most of the women on this message board trying to be relentlessly optimistic. And then mom-to-be is saying, you all need to come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and not get your hopes up. Which I understand, but she, she shouldn't have said it that way. The internet is a big place, and you could probably find a different message board with people who feel more similarly to the way that you do. Yeah. Well, you would think so, but not always. Mary, you said something really interesting about um, stereotypes of black men, and one like we haven't touched on race yet, and like this is about a black family. Yeah. I think we should talk about that. Technically, song. this is kind of something Emily was talking about. Oh yeah, um, I, mean, I don't want to steal it. No, it's fine from- because I think like it's fairly obvious that I, I mean, like all the black men in the story are cheaters. Well, not Jay. That, like, Stray. Okay, but, like, he's not really a character, <laughs> as we said. <laughs> All the characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know. Like, I I have a problem with the fact that, like, it... it all uh, let's, let's put it this way. All the black men in this book who are in relationships are not faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that is a really bad stereotype about black men... That I think it's like it's unfortunate that this is sort of like I don't know all we get. I mean, I guess yeah. you could actually argue that JJ is sort of part of that same kind of thing, even though, like you said, he's not really a character, but he is knowingly participating in helping Infidelity. someone cheat on. Yeah, 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 without seeming to feel any guilt about it at all. Although her husband has a whole other family, yeah, and he keeps saying stuff like "nothing has to happen, nothing has to happen," but it's pretty clear that his intention is. Right. For that to happen. Well, yeah, he came here to try to take her. So, <laughs> so right. So, but they're gonna. Bang. I think it's also important to mm-hmm. note that you know this story is written by a black woman, and we're all white women. So we're also talking about that's you know, true. As we always have to note, we are we're all, all white, white women, women. <laughs> and we're talking about stereotypes again. We're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> always really sorry. But we're talking yeah, about stereotypes sorry. of of black people. But it's written by a black woman, and so. You know, I doubt, like, 
she intends to perpetuate a stereotype. But I do think, right? That, you know, and I think that part of it was like the two main characters that are do- that are cheating are Don and Henry, who are the characters that are echoes of each other. So mm-hmm. you know, but it's like if those are going to be the two, the only two characters that male characters that you really focus on in this book. Other than Jay, and he's not really, as you said, a character. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just, it it does look a little bit bad. Yeah. And doesn't seem necessary because, and we were talking about this during the Annihilation episode, that relationships don't have to just fail because of infidelity. And it's like a device that is so often used to say, like, this is why this marriage isn't working. And I I would argue that infidelity is usually a symptom of something else in the relationship that's not working. It's not usually, like, the sole reason. Because, like, you're not going to be unfaithful, or most people aren't going to be unfaithful or look for things outside of their relationship if everything within their relationship is, like, everything is great. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And infidelity is way – well, it's always – it's almost always, anyway, in, like, books and movies painted as – a black and white, very simple issue. And it's obviously, it's not. It's it's super complex. This doesn't really show that, I don't think. No. This is the third episode where we've talked about is infidelity the end of a relationship, actually. <laughs> Our favorite <laughs> we talked about it in person yeah. the world also. Like, oh, does that mean it's the end no matter what? The bottom line here is relationships are hard. <laughs> yeah. And there's no, there's no right way to have one. For real, man. I feel there's like, there's a narrative of relationships that gets produced in media that we all think is like the way things are supposed to be, but it is I know how to be in a relationship real. with the P. Yeah, but the P is a cat. Yeah, well. I know, but he's great. <laughs> <laughs> he is? He's a cat? <laughs> oh, no. Like, to relate this to the book, though, there is also a narrative of what family is supposed to look right. like and what babies, like, how that's all supposed to go, too. And that's that's what's interesting about the message boards for me is, like, sort of seeing the way everyone tells their own story of that because it does seem like there's a way it's supposed yeah. to go. So same for family, same for marriage, blah, blah, blah. But it's all a lie. It's all a crapshoot, folks. Mm-hmm. We are here to tell you from experience. It's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question for funsies. This I didn't even phrase it as a question, though. This is actually an exclamation. Cast one person in this if it was a movie. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like none of you would see the movie, though. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I must say <laughs> Carrie Washington for Ava. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's what, what I was going to say, too. Right? Yes. It's so obvious. <laughs> That is, well, and that that's that's why it would happen yeah, because it it's just the obvious sense. cast. She it would be good. I think I would like to see Sterling K. Brown Ooh. as JJ mm-hmm. because I think he could lend some depth mm-hmm. to JJ. And how about like Chadwick Boseman as Henry? Ooh, I don't know that I'd wish it on Chadwick. Yeah, but Henry's supposed to be very handsome. That's his defining character. That's trait. true. That's true. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Chadwick Boseman might be like a little bit young. I just want to. How can we get Jaden Smith in the mix? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had no real idea of how old they were supposed to be. She was supposed to be almost forty. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman is forty. So there you oh, go. She's thirty-eight. 
<laughs> he looks so wee. He looks so young. Black don't crack, yeah. Mary. I just think about Angela Bassett. Like, <laughs> oh, one time God. I found out how old she was, and I was like, what? Let's, good, throw, let's throw her in for Sylvia. Yeah. But Sylvia's supposed to be, like, fat, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is why it's hard to cast Sylvia. But you know what? I just love Angela Bassett. Let's be real. They don't cast fat people in movies. Yes. That's true. That is true. Okay. If there's a if there's a character from a book and a movie adaptation that's supposed to be fat, they just make that person skinny. It's easier on them. Mm-hmm. I could give you many yeah. examples. Because fat people can't act, as you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, if you're a first time listener, that's sarcasm. Um. <laughs> it's, it is sarcasm. Yes, please just read my blog post that I just did about Love Simon to hear me rant about how they thin washed that movie. Oh. Yeah, most movies. Right. Thin washed. Thin washed. Yeah. That's a scary sounding term. Or if you if you would like to read like anything I've ever written <laughs> ever about it for anything. academia. <laughs> yeah. This is what I do. All right. Well, guys, check out those blogs. <laughs> yeah. I feel like today's episode is just like the world is awful and we hate everything. Well, but to be fair, that was sort of the tone. Of the novel, whether you liked it or not, like, that is what, this this was a depressing read. Yeah. It's pretty bleak. It's not even depressing, it's just, like, bleak. (laughs) Well, then, let's just uh, move on to the other crap, then. Yeah? I want to say our movie would be good. (laughs) Yeah, well. We have a good cast. We could fix this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It depends on that director, though. I'm telling you. We should all... Actually, that's probably what the question should have been. Who would direct this shit? Ava DuVernay. Mm. Come on. Yeah. I feel like that's... Like, she could definitely do it. Or... I haven't even seen Mudbound, but I feel like the woman who directed Mudbound could yeah. probably do this. True. I true, think true, this true. would actually look visually kind of cool, because one thing that I thought was the strength of this novel was the environment building stuff of the town. And mm-hmm. it... Like, visually, that could work a lot better, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Emphasis on the maybe. I get it. But anyway, three stars. Sticking with it. Let's move on. Featured bookstore. Emily, take it away. Take it away. <laughs> Hello. Little shop. Little shop Little of stories. Shop. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, if you go on the blog now, link will be in the show notes. You will see my blog post about Little Shop of Stories, my favorite bookstore in all of Atlanta. Um, it is first and foremost a children's bookstore, but don't let that fool you. There's tons of stuff for us grown-ups as well. And if you're like me and you also like reading YA. You can do that, too. Also, what's wrong with a children's bookstore? I study children's lit for a living. I'm just saying. And I am a child. Yes. Um, <laughs> this store is awesome. They have tons of events going on every single week. Um, lots of events for kids. Um, the When I went to visit them a week ago, I guess it'll be two weeks ago when this podcast comes out, um, there was going to be a sleepover at the store for fourth and fifth grade girls um they also hold events there like weddings they're having a dog wedding 
renewal, vow renewal, sometime what? soon. Sounds so fun. I know. Are we invited? So cute. Oh, yeah. We're invited whenever we want to go attend the events. No, they I have... want to go to that specifically. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if the deets are out on that yet, but I will keep you posted. Okay. I've never been a flower girl. I'm just saying that might be my time. At <laughs> the dog wedding? <laughs> yeah. Um, can you imagine a better moment for me? Can Roger and Mabel attend? Yeah, obviously. Also... This is brand new on the website, but now at the Little Shop of Stories website, you can order books online. So we will be linking all of our books on our website to Little Shop of Stories. Um, Lots and lots of YA authors especially do events there because there's a really big author community in Atlanta. In fact, Becky Albertalli, author of Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, um, Lives in which takes place in Atlanta. Yeah, which takes place in Atlanta. She lives there, so she's often been in the store. So who knows? You could be there and cite her there yourself. And we should mention I that that is the book that Love Simon is. Yes, because for a while I was like Simon versus the Hopo Samian, Sami Hopos Homo Sapien, <laughs> and, and Love Simon. Why are there so many YA things with the name Simon in them? It's the same. Yeah. Anyway. Laurel Snyder, who we have interviewed on this very podcast, also has done many events at Little Shop. Basically, it's just our place. It's great. And I say it's our place, even though you guys haven't gone there, because I know you would love it, because it's great. Oh, yeah. I was even, like, looking at the events they had coming up, and I was like, would they let me come to some of these? (laughs) Can I please go to the Harry Potter summer camp? Come on. Yes. I, I was like, they don't know me, but, um... Yeah, I could help with that. Yeah. Totally. I know a thing or two about Harry Potter. I've run a Harry Potter summer camp before. Yeah, you have. That's right. I really have. That's yeah. not a joke. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, really? Um, yeah, so Little Shop of Stories. Check it out. Listener feedback. Listener feedback. All right. Buckle in. Our first questions are about American War, which was our last full episode topic. American War by Omar El Akkad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ in Cleveland, Ohio. What's up, TJ? I've been to Cleveland and I liked it. Go Browns, I guess. Um, TJ says... I rated this book one star. First and most egregious, I don't understand how you can attempt to write a book and chicken out on tackling race or even mention it. Near future America and we've somehow solved racism, yet still arrived with all of our South will rise rhetoric intact. Eh. A disagreement over fossil fuels is a pretty dishonest and cowardly substitute. That aside, I thought the writing was flat and uninspired across the board. The characters were two-dimensional, and the peripheral characters, Bragg, the bartender, Karina, Marcus, the prison guard, Joe, etc., were pretty much entirely devoid of life or complexity. The plot advancement felt downright lazy. For example, so much hinges on the torture camp and the drowning device, but we're basically just told that we don't see it. Rushing evidence for what Sarah becomes in this example it seems to be pathological with Akkad. I'm stumbling today, always, um, which is a strange hiccup for a journalist trying his hand at fiction. 
I could go on and on, but my benchmark for any book is, did I learn anything? More pointedly, did I learn anything about what it means to be a complex human being? I didn't hear, which could totally be my failure, but I can't help but wonder what would happen if the premise were tackled by a more ambitious writer, one who wouldn't sidestep race, for example. Seems like a missed opportunity for what could have been a timely and important story. So first of all, I disagree about the characters being two-dimensional. That is the main bone that I have to pick with you, TJ, sir. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because I feel like the characters are really well fleshed out. And in the parentheses, you mentioned, like, Karina as being lifeless and devoid of complexity, which I totally disagree with. I thought Karina was really interesting. And one of the best scenes is the conversation between Karina and Sarah, which we discussed. Um, Also, you know, I don't think... I, I can see what you're saying about um, about the race and how it's, you know, kind of cowardly to not dive into it completely. But I don't think that race was not tackled. I think that it was, like, prevalent and in the book the whole time, whether or not it was directly talked about. And I think that in some ways that is, you know, a correct echo of the way that our country deals with race is that it's always lurking in the background and something that, you know, a lot of like history books and a lot of, you know, people like politicians and et cetera are not addressing, you know? And so I think it makes sense that this war would be quote unquote about fossil fuels, but it's really about more than that. I mean, it's the same thing with the, you know, like, the real life civil war. You know, people say, oh, yeah. it's about states' rights. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the show, but, you know, it's about states' rights. Okay, but also it's, like, mostly about slavery, though. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's it's complicated. I totally agree that the book was slow, and there are parts that are difficult to read just because um, the pacing is weird. But I I also disagree that characters weren't developed at all. I mean, some characters kind of came in and served their purpose and then were out. I think this is like a pretty ambitious novel that's very sweeping in its scope. And just like in real life, there are some people who don't yeah. stick around very long. I thought that the book could have said more about race. And I think I mentioned this when we talked about the book initially. Like, yeah, I, I, I yeah. would agree that I think like it's unrealistic to assume that race wouldn't be a bigger issue and like the way that it's talked about seems to be skirting around the issue a little bit and avoiding talking about it yeah so but then again i think talking about it too directly then it could be or there is a danger of it becoming like too obvious and too heavy-handed so i think that was probably something else that uh elicad was avoiding but I, I agree to a certain extent. Yep. <laughs> but but thank you. Thank you for writing in. Okay. Um, so next is Sarah from Parkland, Maryland, uh, who writes, I DNF'd this book, which I did not finish this book. <laughs> I found it very slow. I read about half and didn't feel like anything actually happened. I felt like the book was quote unquote important, but not actually interesting. Sarah, me and you, same page, girl. <laughs> Except I did finish it, but I also felt it was important, but not interesting. 
I did finish it. I DF'd. You did finish? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, however, I felt like I was supposed to find it very interesting, but I did not. Um, I gave it a two, actually, so. I liked it less than this book. I thought I was gonna really love it, though, and so I, I, I had high expectations and, um, feel similarly to Sarah, which was that I, it was like, ooh, so this is literature, but I don't like it, so. Yeah, I feel like that about a lot of books. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't have high expectations for the book, and I liked it a lot more than I expected. I love war stories, actually. Oh, I hate them. I know, I know. It you, depends I know, this me, is controversial, so. but. I'm re- <laughs> just, just for me, I think most people are, like, okay with no, war stories. Well, doesn't, like, Mary, don't you hate them? I hate yeah, them. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, I don't like them at all. And I mean, they're so like every year I try to see all the Oscar nominated films and I actively did not try to see either of the two that were war related. Like I just really hate war stories. Oh, I'm sure I would have hated Dunkirk. I would have hated it. Mm, I will Okay. I don't love war films. That's interesting. I don't love war films, but um huh. Like World War 1 poetry was my that was like my topic. That was my special area. Poetry in... is totally different, though. Yeah, but novels for me, same. I love it the same. So, I, I love war writing. I will say, like, I do love, I do love war poetry because it talks about disability a lot in in pretty interesting ways. Yes, especially World War One poetry. Um. I would like to sidebar for a minute because we brought up the term DNF. And I would just like to say that I recently discovered how empowering it is to DNF books. Oh, yeah. That you're not enjoying. Um, I, for the longest time, like, I had to finish everything I started and it was torturous sometimes. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could just finish this book so I could read something I actually like. But you know what's awesome? When you decide... I'm not going to finish this book because I want to read something I like. And Mm -hmm. you know what? If I hadn't had to read No One Is Coming to Save Us for this podcast, I probably would have DNF'd it. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I am a person who never DNFs (laughs) something because it really stresses me out to not finish something. I can remember the one book in my life that I did not finish it was The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I tried to read in the eighth grade and could not. You're not missing much. Huh. Um, Interesting. So maybe I'll On the other hand, I DNF stuff all the time, not Me just too. books, movies, oh, yeah, TV movies. shows, relationships. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if I, if I, mean, I'm I not think happy finishing, about it, finishing I'm a relationship it. is someone dies. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I'm I'm very willing to DNF a relationship. However, when it comes to consuming content, I have to finish. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying, guys, I think Emily is right. There is something empowering about DNFing. Just whatever you don't like or whatever doesn't make you happy, DNF that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Let's make t shirts that say DNF that. They're going to think it's, they're like, is that like that's porn? You should try it. You should try it, Kelly. You should try not finishing something. I have. It feels bad, and I go back to it. Yeah. Kelly, pick up a shit book. We'll tell you which one, and then get halfway through and be like, fuck it. Look, I can find a crappy book. I picked out the couple next door. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird, though, because it was almost like 
Although I knew it know, was so bad, it was bad. Good. I was so I was so compelled I wasn't. to finish it because I was like, it's gonna get worse. I was I got so mad out. that I was reading that the whole time. I was so <laughs> mad. Yeah, yeah. Good sidebar, okay. guys. I think that was worthwhile sidebar. So thanks for bringing up the DNF term, Sarah, from Parkville, Maryland. Um, Okay, I can read this next one. Wait, did I read one already? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, This is Tess from Dallas, Georgia. So she says, Okay, I thought of something that I wondered about a lot when I was done with American War. I don't normally enjoy female protagonists written by men, as they often lack nuance and include way too many physical descriptions. Even though, as y'all mentioned in the episode, Ellicott does focus too heavily on Surratt's body in some places, I like this book much more than I expected to, and I think it's because we eventually come to learn that her nephew, someone who loves Sarah in a deep and complicated way, is the one who wrote these things. How do you think the reveal that this is Benjamin's account affects your understanding slash opinion of the entire novel? Hmm. Oh, what do you guys think? I think that's a really good question. It is a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and we talked about it a little bit, just like, how we felt about the framing device and um to me i i definitely did feel like it uh deepened my understanding of of everything and i feel like it would read differently if you read it again knowing that although i think it, you kind of do know it the whole time well um, you know it's somebody who's related to her in some yeah, way you just don't realize that he's her nephew yeah. um and that he knew her that well so yeah, I think that is a really good question. I feel like I ha- I I can't even like come up. I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. Um, even though I'm the one that put this question in the doc, I'm still like, oh man, I haven't thought about I this. Studied. It's a good question. I just don't quite know the answer. Now I'm wondering, like, should that have made a difference for me? Because I'm going to say I don't think that it. <laughs> did. Yeah, I think that but- I think the fact that like I knew it was somebody narrating. Mm-hmm that was going to eventually become a part of the story. Like, I remember that from the beginning. Like, that never left my mind, that this was being narrated from someone's perspective, that it wasn't just, like, a third person. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like probably it affected my reading somewhat. And I think, like I mentioned, um, at first, once I realized it was Benjamin telling the story, I was wondering, like, well, how did he know some of those things? But then you find out that he had the journals, and so that sort of, like, explains that. Well, I think we get also just, like, an understanding of of just how complicated his feelings about her are. Right. And the fact that he does ultimately feel extremely empathetic towards her Based on the yeah. way that he wrote about her entire life, you know? Like, even though she did a lot of shitty things, like, you know, <laughs> killed his parents. Yeah. And, like, if, if, you had, if you had read the book and it was just, like, you know, a narrative, like, straightforward storyline and he hadn't written it and we got to the part with the nephew and all that happened and he got sent away, you would assume that the nephew would hate her forever, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of gives us some sense of, like closure knowing like oh he's reflecting back on her with some sort of interest and admiration even if like she's not like a likable person yeah yeah and it says something about him too that he is willing to put aside himself in this situation and try to just like understand how a person could Mm -hmm. make decisions like that 
Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Tess. Thanks, Tess. Fun fact, Tess. My mom almost named me Tess. And Whoa, I'm really mad that she true. didn't because that name is so much better than mine. I like both names. Both names are good. Yeah. Okay. So that was our last American War question. Susan, do you have any like last thoughts about American War that you would like to share? Not really, because I got to tell you, it left my brain pretty quickly. That's after fair. Time. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> it really did. I just, I don't have a lot to say about it. So. Susan's just trying to get back at us for trashing on her. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really not. <laughs> I just, it's been a while now, though, honestly, like since yeah, that was recorded. And if I don't really love a book, it really doesn't stick with me for long. I will say, though, recording these podcasts has really helped books stick with me for a lot longer. Yeah, that's true. Than they did before we started doing this. So that's true for me, too. Even if nobody yeah. cares about our podcast. Which I know is not true because you're listening to it. (laughs) You listening right now, you're listening to it. Also, look at all the listener feedback we got. Like, come on. Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, but no, but you know, like, it's helped me. So I don't even need y'all. All All right. So, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, more listener feedback. We love you guys. Please don't be antagonistic to the listeners. Um, Okay. So let's move on to annihilation feedback. This is from Mary Kay in Atlanta, Georgia. Emily, Mary, Kelly, and Susan loved your Annihilation episode. Loved that movie. When you guys were talking about how to categorize it into a genre, I was yelling like I was there with you. Horror! It's horror! I watched it on Cold Medicine and it was horror and it fucked with my balance for real. (laughs) That was in all caps. I mean, I understand that it's kind of science fiction too, but because Lena, I think, says that's impossible and sci-fi requires some kind of grounding and plausibility. Horror. Also, what the shit, it was terrifying. And for all these reasons, if we went into the shimmer together, I would be your gunman. Emily, you can wrangle the bear and I'll empty a magazine into the mouth of a mutant alligator who is attacking us first for no reason. Otherwise, I'll just keep watch or shoot straight into the ceiling to create a diversion for when you wrangle the bear. Look, see, that is such a good game plan. Thank you, Mary Kay. (laughs) I do. I have a lot to say about this. Okay. Um, And... I actually, y'all know Mary Kay, she's been on the the podcast before and I've been on her podcast. So like, I'm not gonna lie and pretend like I don't know Mary Kay personally. And we haven't, you know, (laughs) chatted. We haven't chatted at length about Annihilation because we text about this movie a lot because we both have a lot of feelings about it. So as soon as she sent us this, I texted her like, Oh, girl, I have a lot to say about your question. Like, all right, like, I got to take my earrings out. Like I got I'm I'm ready to go. Um, Oh, my God. And so I feel like a lot of what I, I said, like, we already talked about it and we've come to, like, an agreement off the air. But, um, <laughs> look, she just, I'm okay. just curious now. I mean, I think I can kind of predict you're going to say, no, it is science fiction. Emily, I feel like you get the most mad at science fiction. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand science fiction. This is 100% science fiction. Um, To argue that something is not science fiction because it's quote unquote not plausible is ridiculous because by that same, (laughs) by that same token, then uh, nothing with a time machine in it, nothing with time travel, nothing where we like go to alternate dimensions should be science fiction. Because, like, none of that shit, according to the science that we know today, is plausible. The reason it's science fiction is because the argument is that there is science that explains what's happening. It's not magic. It is science. 
there there is a scientific reason for what is happening in the shimmer. It's alien science, but it's still science. Yeah, in the world, furthermore, of the we science. talked about, I believe, in the last episode, how what is happening in the shimmer is sort of mirroring cancer and what cancer cells do, which is fully based in science. This is really obvious that this is what's happening in the movie because the first thing we see in the movie, or one of the first things we see in the movie, is uh, Lena's character doing a lecture about cancer cells. And then later on, she is reading The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. This is about cancer. Now, science is fucking scary, and often science fiction and horror overlap because cancer is really scary, guys. Um, Aliens are scary. There's a lot of scientific possibilities that we don't understand, and all of that stuff is really scary to us. But there is a scientific explanation. Therefore, this is 100% hardcore science fiction. Also scary, but still science fiction. Yeah, I would call it like a sci-fi slash horror movie. Because I can definitely see, like, there are lots of elements of the horror genre also in this movie, such as, like, characters being picked off one by one. You know, the scary bear. (laughs) Um, the scare bear jump scares in certain situations the scare bear uh you know there's there are definitely many elements of horror but i definitely agree with you that like if i were to describe this to someone and they asked what kind of movies i'd be like well it's a sci-fi movie but it's really fucked up is how i would describe it it's like a really scary Mm sci-fi movie emily i would describe your response as if this was a message board, you'd be mom-to-be. <laughs> yeah. No, I already said I'm mom-to-be. I, like, totally understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. I see that so, now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. I think you've convinced me. I didn't feel strongly either way, though. You've con- so. She's convinced you that she is mom-to-be. Um, I mean, yeah. Although, Mary Kay, <laughs> I did enjoy reading that. Yeah, you yeah. convinced me that. <laughs> I don't think it's, like, hard science fiction, but... I mean, we've talked about it. Okay, well, what do you think it is? I just, I think in science fiction, even if there's not, I mean, science fiction definitely can be scary, and I totally agree with you on that, and I think it often is, like, the scariest stuff is science fiction, because it is so plausible. Um, I just think, like, aliens get lumped in with science fiction a lot, but part of what makes Annihilation work is they don't know what's happening and even though as viewers we see like oh it's aliens it's but I that's mean, not really at the basis of still... what's happening the basis of what's happening is cell mutation that is what's happening and that is completely scientific cell mutation is science but no one can explain what's going on in the shimmer even still well, I think but we point, know it's cell mutation i think the point here is that you, it it is science fiction because Within the world of the movie, this is being caused. This is a scientific phenomenon. It's not like it's not magic, like Emily said. Um, it is mysterious. Yes, exactly. Anyway, we can obviously argue about this forever, but I am in the camp that aliens are uh, science adjacent. <laughs> and even even so, I would argue that this is like barely about aliens. This isn't really about alien life forms. It's more about like what effect this landing has on like the cells in this area and it's it's mutation there's like a cancer spreading yeah this kind of i think leads into bonnie's question pretty well oh yeah okay bonnie 
in Athens, Georgia. Why were the people who were questioning Lena in full hazmat gear, but the women were sent in without any parentheses, all of the teams, presumably? Because they weren't expected to come back. But is that because they weren't in hazmat gear? Yeah, that's true. Like, maybe they would have come back if you put hazmat gear on them. (laughs) Just saying. They're treating it like science, like it's like uh, germs, almost. I guess, like, uh, when they come back. They're suicidal. I will say, like, and it doesn't matter because this isn't the book, but, like, in the book, they have hazmat suits and stuff. Uh, Well, there you go. Like, they have more protective gear. I mean, it's not necessarily hazmat suits, but they have, like, gas masks and stuff. Yeah, they have no protective gear. Well, one of the best things that happens in the book is that they have this little black box that, suppose, like, turns red if there's danger nearby. And at the end, they find out it's just, like, a box. Like, the. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, like, um, who's to say that? And I mean, maybe later books talk about this more, Mary, so you could probably talk about this. But who's to say that the protective gear they're wearing does anything? Seems yeah. like they're being fed a lot of it lies. Might be too powerful. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, it's not clear in the book that it's alien. So, I mean, it is. Yeah. But it's much more vague and um definitely by the end of the first book they don't know what's going on but it seems like even with all this gear it doesn't matter because what is there finds a way into your body regardless and so it doesn't matter if there's a mask you know it doesn't matter if there's a hazmat suit it's going to happen okay so um the next question is from trudy in colorado springs As a therapist, I was intrigued by how the movie dealt with the theme of personal self-destruction and depression. I thought of how not only with me, but with my patients, we sometimes quietly destroy ourselves, financially, romantically, professionally, and physically, and others in our lives become collateral damage, or how we are often the collateral damage of others who are close to us, collateral damage. Self-destruction does not just destroy the individual, but others around them, and we saw this in the movie. So I looked at not only the theme of self-destruction in the movie, but how it causes collateral damage. In the movie, as each woman made a decision toward self-destruction, it had a synergistic effect on everyone around them. We need to realize the actions that we take have an effect on others around us. But yet, true self-destruction, hence the word self, is often very selfish. But this is my two cents. Self-destruction is not just about the self. Yes, we often are seen as the champions of self-care, not self-destruction, but in our own ways, we are also self-destructing. I was really interested in this self-destruction angle, too. And also, I wanted to add, I did see this movie a second time, and the second time around, it did seem clearer to me that the affair happened before. <laughs> like I was saying that it seemed like it didn't happen until he was already gone for a while. But yeah, the second time I was picking up on some things that I didn't see before. And part of it was in this self-destruction conversation where uh, Ventress says, like, we destroy the happy marriage or, you know, the great job or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I really, I kind of wanted some more of this, actually. This was um, that conversation that uh, Shepard has with... um, uh, Lena in the boat about sort of the thing that everyone had that was allowing them to go on this sort of suicide mission. That was really interesting to me. Um, and that's sort of why I want to read the book is I want to see that back backstory. I love the idea that, and 
like, didn't think about this at all, but it makes total sense that, you know, each woman's actions sort of, like, caused a ripple Mm -hmm. effect Mm -hmm. on the other women. Yeah. And, like, as soon as they started going downhill, it was, like, everything Mm -hmm. blew up, you know? It was, like, each one of them was having their own issues, and that just, like, created this, Mm -hmm. like, bomb of of self-destruction. And I think that's really smart and and something I want to think about the next time I see it. Yeah. I I didn't really think about the fact that um the like this idea that self-destruction is never just destruction of the self but destruction of everyone around you. And like even we see that the ripple effect really starts in the beginning with Cain, right? Because um he wouldn't have gone into the shimmer if she hadn't been destructing, destroying their relationship. Um, or at least that's sort mm-hmm. of like what we're led to believe is the major reason for him leaving. Yeah. Um, and then she wouldn't have gone in and risked her own life if he hadn't gone in and nearly killed himself. So, yeah. And then she wouldn't have come out with the shimmer on her. Right. <laughs> to then spread. Right. So it's just going to keep, it's just going to keep rippling. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Great to get a therapist's perspective. Thank you for that. Yeah. This is Ben in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Dear Squad. Oh, Ben of Ask a Man yes. fame. You might know him from Ask a Man. And also star of the episode we did about um, Stephen King's It. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Breakout star. Yeah, he replaced my ass. Breakout star. Yeah. All right. Up and comer. Guys, that's kind of rude, though, because he replaced me. So, okay. Oh, wow. Dear Squad. <laughs> I was very happy to hear your review of, of Annihilation as, while the year is young, it is my favorite film thus far in 2018. Unsurprisingly, you all made some excellent observations, but I did have to disagree on your point regarding Lena and Kane's relationship, or in your opinion, the lack thereof. Considering how much the film is less about relationships and more about how people deal with slash fail to deal with and fear change within themselves and others, I was far less interested in how Lena and Kane's relationship devolved and much more interested in the aftermath. I felt like the movie provided plenty of clues about why they drifted apart, diverging vocations leading to physical and emotional separation. I feel that Lena's cheating is less a factor in the end of their relationship than a factor in her struggling to cope with a relationship that has died before its members even realize it. Only showing them engaging while in bed also firms our knowledge that they have devolved entirely to the physical while unable to really converse outside of that realm. See awkward silent reading scene. <laughs> hey, they say hey. They say hey to each other. Uh, yeah, that's it. Hey. Though. Could that separation have been shown via other flashbacks? Possibly. But considering how much effort Annihilation puts into unbalancing its audience, seeing Lena, the brave and distraught wife seeking to save her husband, engage in an affair is, an, is another believable surprise that keeps us guessing as to the entire depth of her character and her true motivations for entering the Shimmer trying to resurrect a past Cain and a past self that were buried years ago. Damn, Ben. I also believe that one recurring song in this movie, Helplessly Hoping, also speaks to that denial and the distance between them. Its appearance in unlikely times and places helped heighten the lost and separated feeling, and I wondered what you squatters (laughs) thought about this song's inclusion, purpose, and effectiveness as the only song with lyrics in the entire film. I have a million other things to talk about, but there's not time for it here, as I'm sure you have more to discuss. But let me just say I loved all of the transformation slash rebirth imagery, the lighthouse as a womb, 
Lena's clone being born from the remade cells of Ventress, etc. And I cannot wait to see what director Alex Garland cooks up for us next. Thanks for the awesome content, Book Squad. You've got a listener for life here. Best, Ben. Aw, Ben. That was such a good letter. It's very nice, Ben. So, should I give, should I tell you what was happening while he was writing this? Because it was kind of adorable. So I came home. (laughs) And he was, like, sitting at his computer typing furiously. And I was just like, hey, like, how's it going? He was like, shh, I'm writing. (laughs) And then, like, 15 minutes later, I was like, so what are you up to today, Ben? And he was like, I'm still writing. Just, like, leave me alone. Oh, my God. And it was this letter. And you're like, So he was, like, very serious. He was very serious (laughs) about it. Like, he was really into it. Um, Like me, he loves this movie a lot. And so, like, he gets really... You know, intense about it. <laughs> I can act like I almost am having my mind changed reading this letter. Yeah. Okay. Talk um, about it. I think I was wondering. I I had been thinking about the song and the inclusion of the song and like what that might mean. And and I just kept thinking about it in context of like what was currently happening. But I didn't think about it as being something that was supposed to reflect their their relationship as it was in the past, that it was already this, like, failing thing. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I think also the the point about them constantly being in bed and being mostly physical with each other is also a really good point to kind of show us how their relationship might have been failing and how they couldn't, like, talk to each other yeah. about things. And whenever, in the small moments where Lena did try to talk to Kane, he just, like, couldn't tell her what was on his mind. So, yeah. you know, I think that's actually a, a really good point. Um, and I feel a little bit better about the whole thing after reading that. I'm so glad that he brought up the song because the song is something that I wanted to talk about um, when we recorded the episode and there's just so much to talk about and we really didn't get to it. I'm looking at the lyrics right now um, and we can link to them if you guys want to see them. But, um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot here that maybe is, like, maybe a little too on the nose about their relationship. Like, there's this part where it says, heartlessly helping himself to her bad dreams, he worries, did he hear a goodbye or even a hello? And I think to myself, like, remember when he leaves to go to the Shimmer and he doesn't even say goodbye to her? Yeah. He just, like, walks away. Like, he doesn't give kiss her goodbye or anything. It's just, like, very cold. Yeah. I love that song, by the way. So, yeah. It was stuck in my head for days afterwards. Yeah. yeah and it's too. the only, like, song with lyrics yeah. in the movie. So, it's got to mean a lot. It's got to do a lot of work, if that's the only thing. I didn't notice that yeah. until I read this. Well, I guess you got to go see it a third time, Susan. I don't know. <laughs> ben is a boy um, genius. He is the star, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. He was like, after he listened to our episode, he was like, man, you guys really should have had me on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, man, I should have replaced Susan again. <laughs> no, no one can replace you. Amir from Denver, Colorado says, I was surprised by how much the movie pulled me in. I felt like I was going in with them. My questions are, why didn't they step in and step back out? Why did they lose their memories, and did they come back as any part of themselves? Like, what percentage of those who returned was genetically modified it, modified versus their original DNA? Um, I will say, I think they 
they try to, and I, I'm really curious, like, what the director's cut of this would look like, because I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff that had to be cut out. Yeah. Hmm. But um, in the book, they are hypnotized in order to go through the boundary. Yeah, and we discussed and in the movie, this a little bit on the... Yeah, and in the, in the movie, it doesn't appear that they're hypnotized, but I wonder if them losing time is sort of a nod to... Um, sort of like the unknowableness of the boundary between what's inside Area X and what's outside. Yeah. Or if that's if or if there is some hypnotism happening there mm-hmm. that got cut out of the final cut of the movie. Yeah. There was a shot of Ventress looking real shady. Yeah. You know? And they were all like, "What happened? Why did? How did we forget?" And she just kind of like doesn't. Yeah, there was that conversation. They like show a close up of her face, sort of like, oh no, do they know that I hypnotized them? But then that never, nothing ever comes of that. So I would assume they got hypnotized. Yeah. I don't know what gives me that idea. (laughs) Other than the book. Yeah. Um, Other than that's what happened. As to the second part of the question, what do we think? I feel like. I don't know that there is a percentage. I mean, like, in my mind, it's just sort of, like, a commingling of DNA and you're a new thing because you've been... Yeah, and I feel like probably the longer you're there, the less of you comes back. Yeah. I guess one of the questions the movie is raising is, like, how much of you has to be you for it to be you? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, when she asks him... You like if he's even Kane, he said he doesn't say no. He says I don't think so. Yeah, because like who knows? Like what does it mean to be Kane? The guy that was that exploded himself said he wasn't Kane anymore. Yeah. So like where is that Kane? Well, that guy like, I don't know. had a different kind of kind of voice. <laughs> so I think mm. I'm not real sure. I used to be Kane. Now I'm from Louisiana. But now. Going on in this lighthouse. Lat lighthouse. Your accent is Boy. much better than mine. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. All right. Thank you. Go. So we got a new website. Yeah. Ink like a squid is no website. more. Yeah, so sorry, everyone. Although I am going to buy that domain name real quick and <laughs> redirect it just because I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's on our bookmarks already, so. Yeah. Anyway, yes, we have a new website. It is booksquadgoals.com. The more obvious name, probably. <laughs> um, so go check it com, out. Like a dot com. Yeah. yeah. Like a real website. Like a, yeah. Like a website. Um, but yeah, it, we're still transferring a lot of our blog content over, and that's going to take a minute. So please be patient. But from now on, all of our new blog posts are going to be going up over there because our old website no longer exists. It has disappeared into the shimmer and turned into a plant person. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. So what's on the blog? Now on the blog, there is a blog post about a wrinkle okay. of time. Written by... Mary and Susan, yeah. who have never previously teamed up, but we're about to. Oh, yeah. There will be. I know. It's fun. It's exciting. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It's a new team. It's a, a new task new force. Wow. But anyway, we're uh, we're coming at a wrinkle in time from two different perspectives. Yeah. One, a person who 
had a relationship with that book as a child and one who read it a few days ago. Which is which? You'll have to read to find out. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> out of Susan and Mary, who do we think read Wrinkle in Time as a child? <laughs> and who read it a few days ago? <laughs> I think Susan read it as a child. <laughs> I definitely read it as a child, but I'm not one of the choices in this multiple choice quiz, so yeah. Yeah, I loved it as a child. I DF'd it. <laughs> right before the movie. <laughs> I also wrote a blog post recently about Love, Simon, which we already briefly mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. But um, I, well, as you might recall, Mary and I read um, The Upside of Unrequited so for our YA book club. It was so good. It was such a sweet story. We loved it so much. And we were both like, you know, we need to give this Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda book a shot. So we both bought it. And we both... Didn't read it for a super long time. And then the movie was coming out. And I was like, crap, I need to read this book. And I finished it within a 24-hour period. It was so good. I loved it. And Mary's reading it now. How are you liking it, Mary? Um, It's okay. It's good. <laughs> I like the way it's written, definitely. And uh, I mean, I like the way it's written. I like Becky Albertalli's style. Um, It's hard for me because I just saw the movie. So I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. And... I, I read it before I saw yeah. the movie, which I think which changes the experience, but it is still yeah. good and enjoyable. Yeah, because I was reading it like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Right. Like, I need to finish reading this so I can find out. Um, and that's kind of taken away if you've seen the movie. But if you want to read my blog post, there are no spoilers um, for the book or the movie. Um, so that mystery will be left for you. I The main thing I talk about really is the character of Leah, who has her own book coming out, which I can't wait. Rate, <laughs> I can't rate to weed. Wait to weed. <laughs> I can't wait to read. Um, it's called Leah on the Offbeat, and it actually comes out uh, end of April, yeah, I think. Something like so that. really soon. Um, so yeah. Uh, mostly I talk about Leah and how I feel like the movie got her character wrong. Yeah. Number one, Leah's supposed to be fat. Uh-oh. She ain't. Mm-hmm. She ain't in the movie. Did it get thin-washed? Yeah, it got thin-washed. <laughs> Thinned-washed. <laughs> I can't talk anymore, you guys. <sighs> okay, yeah, but I wrote about that. Cool. And then we also have ANTM recaps and Riverdale recaps. Oh, Next level, here. yeah, yeah. Riverdale's never going away. Yeah, guys. there's like a thousand episodes in this season. Whew. Yeah, it really it's... seems like that's been happening for so long. <laughs> there's I 22 just... episodes. Like, are you guys okay? I want to check in on you. Are you okay? Not really, but <laughs> for Riverdale, I get through. Okay, it is literally a soap opera at this yeah. point. It is. I'm not surprised. It is CW, so. I mean, like, I feel like I can, can, mm, well, mm, I won't say it, because I don't think Kelly's (laughs) watched it yet, but, like, there is a reveal. Do not spoil this for me live on air. There's a reveal in this episode, and I thought, I'm pretty sure this has happened on many soap operas before. Is there an evil twin? I bet it's an evil twin. That's my guess. I will not confirm. Or deny. Evil Swin. Or it's either okay, it's or either an evil twin. Jason Blossom's alive. I was gonna say amnesia. <laughs> but I feel like that's coming. The amnesia is coming? Point. Okay. So it's not amnesia, yeah. but that's not off the table. 
My favorite soap opera thing is just that you can hear every little movement of, like, a fork. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's in Riverdale. Yeah. The production value is a little bit better. Yeah. It's got a good production it's good value. good production value with soap opera level content. Mm, well, I'm not interested unless I can hear the clang clang of forks. Good well. to know. We know how to please Susan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing for that. Everyone, <laughs> please... Rate and review us on iTunes. Please uh, subscribe to us. Well, it's actually Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. I keep calling it iTunes because I'm stuck in the past. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads. Uh, yeah. And feel free to email us. What are we us. doing next time on the podcast? Oh, Yeah. The Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs, which say it, say it real fast. Isle of Dogs. I love dogs. Oh, I is that love wow? Dogs. I love dogs. I think Wes Anderson's just Special trying guest, to tell us something. Mabel. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yes, we yeah. want to hear what they think of the movie. Can't mm. wait. They're gonna love it. So um, that's our next other episode. And what's our next full episode? Our next Kelly? full episode. Full episode. <laughs> Listen, what guys, is happening? This is scarring. Are you okay? Is this because of Riverdale? Are you okay? I had a lisp as a child, and sometimes it just happens. Um, okay, but seriously, our next full episode is um, The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Britt Bennett. Um, I'm a little worried that this is going to be really similar to the book that we just read. Uh, I'm going to tear it up. <laughs> but I don't oh, know. Because um, all I really know about it is that it is, like, a small town community, like, African-American community sort of story. But it does involve suicide. So oh, and be- you know, also, speaking of Riverdale, I saw this book on a list for books that you should read if you love Riverdale. Oh, sweet. So, Oh, good. I hope like, it gets that can go. That can go good or bad, honestly. I mean... That is not a guarantee of anything. I'm just saying. one of my fave book covers of last year, so... The cover is really cool. Can't wait to feature that on Instagram. Yeah. You can see that on our new website. Kelly's actually holding the book. It's true. I was like, this is the the book I'm going to hold in our photo because I really like the way it looks. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I always do. And I held gross American war. (laughs) And Kelly told me, please hold Annihilation because you never stop talking about <laughs> it's it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and that's still true. To this actually. very day. It's still true. I just can't stop, you guys. I just really love that We're going to find a way to bring it up in the next episode. Every just episode. Just like we always find a way to bring up Oscar Isaac. And by we, I mean me. And a couple next <laughs> I feel like I oh, should yeah. just do my own podcast, but every episode is just me talking about Annihilation. The Annihilation podcast. <laughs> oh, I would every single that. episode. I would honestly yeah. listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Does can I be special guest Louisiana Oscar Isaac voice? <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. I can't bear it. <laughs> I love you, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. I think you're pretty. <laughs> Stop, Susan. Later. Later. Okay. Not right now. Promise. Yeah. Well, now we know why Susan has perfected that accent. It's just to just to hit on Kelly. Yeah. (laughs) That's why. 
Oh, wait, we should say bye. Yeah. Bye. bye. Oh, okay, bye. Bye. DNF something. See how it makes oh you God. feel. Okay, bye.